Hey y'all, this is Sherry Witt, and you're listening to Unashamed. Unashamed is our weekly podcast where we discuss everyday topics from a biblical perspective, as well as having special guests on to give their testimonies on how the Lord has worked in their lives. Our earnest prayers that God will be lifted up, and this podcast can be used to further His kingdom. Now, on with the show, y'all. For the cause of Christ, I'll live my life. Well, good afternoon. We have um, our special guests for today, and um, Proverbs twenty-two six says, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it." And sometimes we use that verse and we talk about our parents, but that verse can also be used for someone else that's special in our lives, someone that his career is something that everyone has. Um, I guess take advantage, taken advantage of, which is a teaching, and it's Mr. Timothy Carberry. And Mr. Carberry, you've taught how many years? Well, I taught 30 years, and then I retired, and I went back to sub for about five years. So altogether, about 35 years in the um, in the business, as you say, <laughs> teaching business. And you, you said that you loved you loved doing that. I love teaching so much because um, I could be with children, being never married, that was my children. And that's what I uh, went in, I love teaching, I love being with the children, I love watching their eyes open when they understand something and you, you know they understand it. It was a wonderful job. And I know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I had him as a, my third grade teacher and uh, and it was very uh, awesome to me. I mean, I think, uh, you know, even now uh, with my dad being gone, uh, you know, I, I do, I guess now look at you more of a father figure because, I mean, you know, you, you're there, uh, you know, we're Facebook friends. So, uh, you know, you're there and you always encourage me when, uh, when you see posts that uh, I post of my family or whatever, you always encourage me. And so, uh, and I, and I, I can, I, I know when I've seen other people, uh, talk to you in public uh, and, and even though you didn't have them as a as a student you you knew their name and you would you'd mention it and they'd say oh Mr. Carberry knew my name <laughs> and so it was always a, you know watching people just light up when they when they see you it's, it's always kind of encouraging to seeing a, a teacher being able to support the students and we could kind of give you the nickname kind of like America's school teacher because everyone <laughs> knew you. I remember the first time, I think it was like the first time we met for Christmas and I told you that my mom's family lived in Springboro and you knew, like you remembered like who they were, what class, and then you would talk to Bill and be like talking about somebody, oh, well, that was the class of this class and, mm-hmm. and th- these are all the people that were in it. And so it was kind of like everybody knows Mr. Carberry. Everybody loves Mr. Carberry. Mr. Carberry is everyone's teacher. You're my teacher and I never <laughs> even had you. Um, but we were just talking when we were coming in about, you know, it seems like teachers are kind of like low on the totem pole when it should they should be much valued much higher because there's not a career. Even with President Trump being president, um, he had a third grade teacher. And it just, it's kind of sad when you see these teachers that have to work two or three jobs to just make, just to make ends meet and then all the added pressure that they have to um, do for school, like you were talking about, right. like the testing and stuff. And Well, what's really 
really bad too is that a lot of these teachers are not supported as much by the school and so they have to go out and buy so many supplies for their own classroom because they don't have that amount of income to give every teacher what they need. So you'd be surprised how many of them buy, go out there and buy the pencils and paper and so many different things that the children will be using in their classroom because if they don't buy it and the parents don't have it, have the money to buy it, you're going to have some really children with no pencils, no paper, and just really sad. Um, but people that love it, even though we, we have to pay for things, we love it because we, that's what we chose. We chose it and uh, that's um, just, that's what happens. Well, it's not just a job, it's a calling. No, it's, not, it's a calling, it is. God called us. I was three years old when I was called. I'll never forget. It was the one thing I wanted to do all my life. I never changed. Some people change every year what they want to do. I was three years old and I wanted to be a teacher and people try to change my mind. I had an aunt that wanted me to go into computers. I said, Aunt Ruth, I love you, but I don't want to go into computers. I want to be a teacher. She could not change my mind. I was headstrong and that's why I kept the goal. It's called keeping the goal and that I reached that goal. And then I had all these wonderful years of teaching and, me, and being with children that are now adults with their own children and some of them with their own grandchildren. And some of them were teachers you were mentioning. Oh, there yes. Some of them were teachers and I think one was, had been a principal. Oh, yes. We, I know right now in Carlisle schools where I taught, I know of at least, at least three teachers that are teaching in Carlisle that were my former students. Wow. And like you said, one was a principal, and uh, that, that makes number four, but I'm telling you, it makes me so proud to know that they want to be a teacher, they follow in my footsteps. Maybe I wasn't the influence, I don't know, but I'll tell you this much, I'm proud to see them be a teacher. How much influence do you believe that your, your relationship with God had with that? Okay. Let me tell you a little back, background of my family. My parents became Christians and were saved in 1949. All my brothers and sisters were born by that time. I am the only one of the four children that had a, a Christian parent from day one. And I really feel that means a big difference in my life because they, they stress the Bible, they stress living the Bible, reading the Bible, and it, 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 you know, it, you say you want to, it um, formed me because God was part of my life. He absolutely was the center of my life, and I feel that God affected me that way. He wanted me to be a teacher. It says, you know, it says in the Bible that he'll direct your ways, he'll direct your paths, well, I guess he directed me at age three because that was that was what happened. It never, ever changed. Uh, so God has been a part of my life. Have I been a Christian all my life? No. I went back, but God kept going with me. If you know what I'm saying, he kept walking with me. And at one time, he said, where are you going? What are you doing? 
And I said, God, I got to come back to you because that is the whole purpose of life. God gives you a purpose in life. I swear he does. He gave me a purpose for being a teacher, a purpose for being a role model for children, and that my life could be a light to these children because God was my light. He was my path. So God has been the center of my life, all my life, even though I wasn't always the Christian I should have been. But he was always there waiting for me. He will be there waiting for you. He will talk to you. He will guide you. And I think so, I thank God so much that I came back because it's made life so much sweeter. Very true. Uh, you know, it, it is when, when, we're, when we walk closer with God, how much sweeter our lives are. And, and I think it's hard for us to, when we're away from God to, to really see that. We don't, we don't realize what we're missing uh, until we get back where we're supposed to be. And then we realize how much love God had. And I, Sherry and I, you know, when we got married, our, our song, song that we uh, you know, walked down the aisle to was um, God Made you right mm -hmm. yeah, so when he and when god made you he was thinking of me you know and right. it, it's like a prayer right. you know like and as god loves us more as we feel god's love more we can love others more and it and to me that it's kind of like that's really what it's about you know like right. our life as god loves us more we can show our love more to others well that i feel that's why with my students even when they could drive me crazy sometimes, I still love them because they were mine. They were Carberry kids. And that's what, you know, God just gave me all this love so I could love these children. Since I didn't have any of my own, I could love everybody else's children. And there's so many of them. And you can send them home. <laughs> and then, but out on the playground, you'd be surprised how many kids still to this day say, oh, you were my teacher. I don't think I was their teacher, but they felt like I was their teacher because they saw me in the hallway, they saw me on the playground, they saw me in the cafeteria, and I was basically almost the only man in that building besides the principal or the gym teacher. So they, they saw a lot of me and they became like family. And I'm a... I'm sure that there are some kids that maybe didn't have a father figure to look up to. So you, you was the person that they chose to uh, to look to, to uh, for for that father figure example. Oh, I'm telling you, I, I, that's why I had to watch what I, how I acted, what I said, because I had to be a role model for what a man should be around a child. You know, there's some people that don't watch their language. And so these little kids learn things they shouldn't be saying and shouldn't be doing. And I, I wanted to make sure that they could see a positive role model, not just a role model, but a positive. So with you being a Christian, was it hard being a Christian teaching in public school? Was that? How would I say this? I'll say it this way. Carlisle was a good school and a lot of times I remember years ago when they when I first came there, 
that people from the local church, Hillcrest Baptist Church in Carlisle, they would come over and tell the children about upcoming events. They would tell them about revivals and things like that. So there's a lot of churches in Carlisle, and it, I, ha I would have to say it's a lot um, closer to God than other schools. But yes, you, you know, you, there were some things that you really couldn't do later on in my career that they, would, that they would kind of frowned on the state of Ohio would. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I'm saying. That Yes, it, it could be different, but you still also had chances to show things about God and talk about God, but I'm not sure about now. Well, even sometimes, I guess, you know, I mentioned several times and when I talk to people, you know, like as a chaplain, well, I was a fire chaplain for a, a small period of time, and, and the the motto of a chaplaincy was always presence. So, yeah. you know, sometimes our presence with, you know, just being there and allowing people to see God in us is more important than saying, you know, a lot of words. Right. Yes. Actions speak louder than words. That's true. So, yes. And, this, and like I said, the children didn't know I loved them. Even if they got kind of mad at me, the next day would come back and they would love me. They would even give me hugs. <laughs> and I, I mean, I was never brought up in a home where I hugged, but I, so I don't remember, <clears throat> you know, per se, the, the hugging. But I know there's a lot of kids uh, that always, they, they always wanted to hug Mr. Carberry or, you know, it's like, oh, I can't wait, you know. It was like they couldn't wait to, to get to go embrace, and, and it's, you know, and obviously in, in the appropriate way as a child because they didn't have any, any thoughts of anything other than just giving the teacher a hug. And I guess nowadays we hear so much, you know, other stuff that, you know, yes. it's like, but I'm just glad, I guess, you know, you know, that I was able to be brought up in, in a place where, you know, we could, we, we could have a teacher that, that was loving and not have to worry about inappropriate right. know, being inappropriate or it was well, all about just innocence. Well see I was taught you gotta go back to my parents. They taught me about God and that God is love. And I went to Sunday school and I heard that God was love. And so I was taught in a way that they showed me love. My mom and dad showed me love, but it was nothing that was perverted, that was um, un, un, just out of place. Mm -hmm. So I knew how to love. And what you do is you hug and then you go on. Right. You don't hang on. And so that's what you would teach a child, that you know, just a hug and go on. But you can't even do that now because of what things have happened with so many other school districts and, sc and schools in general. And I know like the last, I don't know when it was that we were talking, but how much, you know, I don't want to show my age because I've always said I was 29, but <laughs> um, how kids have changed, um, the pressures that they're under with yes. testing and online bullying and sometimes we we kind of focus on the kids but the teachers have just as much stress and they're just as un, just under as much pressure as the kids on you know you were talking about buying school supplies yes. or I know 
I've read on the news where like kids take some kind of proficiency test and based on that test is like how the teachers will get graded so if the teacher if the if the kids don't pass that test then it looks badly on the teacher like the teacher's not been teaching what they should be versus well that child might have test anxiety or it's not yes. all about test and so um we were talking about how important prayer is not just prayer for our children as they go into school but prayer for their teachers specific prayers for the teachers because they're the ones that we're trusting our kids to you know seven eight hours a day and i mean i know the class sizes are probably i think when i was growing up there might have been like 15 16 kids you know maybe a little bit more but i know like now like it's double that it's 30. double that or you know certain classes yes I know in elementary grades, they're trying to keep it like 23, 24, a little bit lower because they know that they're in the elementary grades, they are learning to read and things like that. And so they're trying to keep the numbers smaller. But you're talking about proficiency. Thank the Lord. I got to retire before I had that, that testing came in. So I never had that stress, but I know exactly what you're saying. Mentioning no names, mentioning no school districts. I know a very, very proficient fourth grade teacher that got like a bunch of students didn't do well on the test and she had to keep like a diary and all this other stuff, what she was doing. And this lady had been teaching for years and she's a wonderful teacher. But she had to prove everything what she was doing because of that test. The children, like I said, so many children didn't do so well, so she had to prove what she was doing. And I mean, it put stress on her. It really did. And I don't know, I think by now, I think she's probably retired, but I, I know I talked to her one summer right after this happened, and she was just almost in tears because she she did everything she could, but the, you know they just fell short. Right. So you're um, you're so correct. That is a um, that's a lot of pressure, and I mean a lot of these people spend hours of time preparing, even at home. So a lot of times, some of these ladies or gentlemen don't see their spouse as much as they would like to, mm -hmm. because they're working, working, working. Right, and then probably because the added stress because of family dynamics and so yes. so many kids are come from broken homes and so they might even have like more behavior issues so then that carries forth to the school and so then you know like you said you were calling your kids cardberry kids yes you know i'm sure some of these teachers are probably like they are my kids like mm -hmm. i feed them because they don't have any food i i bring in clothes when i see that they're not they don't have clothes so there are act acting as surrogate parents to right. these kids and a lot of these parents like you said are out of the fan you know, they're out of the picture so yeah you have grandparents now mm -hmm. that are taking care of the children and it's it's hard because like some of these people said i have um this one person said i've, I've raised my children but now i'm having to raise another family and it puts stress on them because they're getting older themselves mm -hmm. and these children are full of life they're just being children right but they're out because of this you know trying to take care of the family well and I think like there was like um, 
like a picture or a meme, and it was a like a cartoon strip, and it was like I don't know how many years ago, but it was the teacher sitting at the desk, and then the parents and the <coughs> child, and they were having the report card, and they were pointing at the child saying, "What is going on?" And then it jumped to today, and it was the parents looking at the teacher saying, "What is going on?" Kid fell. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of issue with like accountability. Yes. You know? You want your, I mean, everybody wants their kids to do great. Oh, everybody yes. wants their yes. kids to have perfect children to get straight A's. But I think sometimes, I, I don't really know the reason, but sometimes it's kind of like, well, it can't be my children's fault. It has to be the teacher's fault. So then there's the added pressure of now. Pleasing I, everybody. Right. It, right. it is really hard to please everybody. And uh, and I just, I just wish every child would have a household, you know, go home to a house where they could actually, you know, have parents that would be able to work with them, learn what they need to learn, then it wouldn't be so much pressure on the child, it wouldn't be some on the parent or on the teacher. But it just seems like it's, um, it's more and more. I want to tell everyone though, I've been retired almost 16 years, so I have not seen a lot of the things that these younger teachers have told me about. They say, Mr. Carberry, we're so glad you're not here now because you would not even recognize what's going on. That's what they tell me. So it makes a difference. Well, do you also, I guess, maybe because you also taught, have taught Sunday school, I mean, you know, like, I, I guess I remember, you know, the, the same thing even when I've taught Sunday school that people will look, look at you and say, well, you know, I'm bringing my kid to church mm -hmm. to be taught. Well, you know, if the parents don't take time to teach their kids at home about the Bible, a Sunday school teacher in a half an hour or 45 minutes, because you don't, even though you may have an hour time, you're not able to teach them right. for that whole period of time. But in an hour, we'll just say an hour time, you can't teach child, you know, the life lessons of, of the Bible you know, in an hour, you can't do those lessons, and so it's like school. You know, if the if a parent or if there's not somebody there to support their children in the schoolwork, it's the same same thing. You know, they they are kind of going to be behind. Well, as I said before, my parents brought me to Sunday school and took me to Sunday school, and when I got home then we actually saw the lessons of what the Bible's about. Because the parents, my parents, were living it in front of me, and they were talking about God to me, and what, what I should be doing, and what, you know, what the Bible says. So it is, it can't be just the Sunday school teacher. It, has, it starts at home. And it starts out the day that baby is born. It starts out the very beginning. And just, you have to live it day by day. And that's it. You have to live it every day. You can't be off three days out of the seven. You got to live it every day. That's why it says die daily. Die daily. Yep. Well, yeah, and you never know who's watching you, so you yes. always have to make sure that you're. Yes. Well, I mean, I know, like there again, I, I know, you know, a lot of people put emphasis on Bible or you know, baby dedication and stuff. But you know, we dedicated our children to God when they were born. Before we brought brought them home from the hospital, we already told God, God, these these children are yours. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and some people make some like, oh well, and, and we did we we did a church dedication as well. But you know, but in the same sense, 
we had already dedicated our children to God before we, we took them to church. You know? Well, yes. And 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 so, and I think you know, there again, I, I've mentioned several times too. You know, like publicly doing things. Obviously, it, it's important to make those public, you know, announcements. Hey, you know, like there again, to you know, the, the title of this podcast is you know, unashamed, and you know, we should be unashamed of the the God that we serve. But there's times that you know we are ashamed because we won't you know we won't show right we won't show it to the world that whom we serve and so to make that i guess what i was the point i was trying to make was you know we 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 only publicly dedicated our children after we already privately dedicated our children but it was just to publicly show that we have given our children to christ just like baptism you you were saved, but the baptism is a, is the sign, public sign that you want to live your life for God, and the old is dead, and now you're new, and that's exactly the same thing. It is the, it is a public a public um, confession of your faith in God. Well, I know like um, we're talking about pressures of just teachers, but like. Again, I'm showing my age, but like I can remember fist fights at school and girls' fights, but I never had to worry about, you know, somebody bringing in guns and shooting up the place. But now, not only do the parents have to, okay, you know, kind of worry a little bit, my kid going to be okay, but now we're, you know, now we're hearing about schools training their teachers to carry guns, you know, and so then there's another added pressure. I, there, I when I was younger, I kind of wanted to be a teacher. But like even now, if I had the opportunity, I don't think that I would. I don't think that I could do that with all the pressure. I get stressed out with just to the the two boys at home homeschooling. I don't think I could with all that. If it was just a point of just going in and teaching, you know, right. then I think I'd be okay. But you're not just going in and teaching. You're loving. You're you're not just teaching book. You're teaching life to these kids. You're teaching them kindness. You know, and then having on all the added stress and worrying about, you know, teachers carrying guns and another added thing on the teachers and it's just Well yeah, so so teachers have now I guess in that sense became bodyguards to yes. the yeah. to the students. Well I'll tell you, I'll never forget back in nineteen ninety nine when Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. I was pretty well about only about three or four years away from retiring. But I thought about all the younger teachers, what are they going to have to face that I didn't have to face? And like you said, carrying guns. I know what you're saying. They're trying to get teachers to be able to carry guns. I'm the kind of person that you have to have a cool head or you're going to be shooting everything. So I really don't know if I want to carry the gun, but I'm just telling you, I know... Right. That someone has to protect our our children because mm-hmm. anymore it's been crazy. Oh yeah. Since nineteen ninety nine, it has been. Now look at that. That's been twenty years, and it's gotten crazier and crazier. Yeah, I don't see how anybody could say we're not living in the end times and that Jesus isn't coming back because it's pretty oh. obvious that 
you know, I don't know when, but no, know that no, he is. <laughs> we don't we don't know, but we can look at the signs. Mm -hmm. The earthquakes, the floods, the tornadoes. They're more and more frequent. The one that happened in Ohio just Memorial Day. It's like this. More and more tornadoes happened like that day than than usually for a whole season. In Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. You got it. In Ohio. And these are all signs. There, are signs, there was more earthquakes like in Southern yeah. California. They're still going on right now. And I'm telling and you, if people would read the book, mm -hmm. the book called the Bible, he would know, she would know what is going on. And we're expecting more. And I think that's a big problem right now, I mean, in society, is that people are so ignorant of God's Word. You know, they pick either, they pick out one word, that, one verse, judge not, you mm -hmm. know. Oh, oh yes. you don't like the way I live? Oh, well, the Bible says judge not. Well, I might not like the way you live, but the Lord's also instructing me to speak to you in love about, you know, yes. what the Bible says. And it says you also will know them by their fruits. That's right. And those fruits... If they're doing something that is totally against that Bible, then you, then, I don't know. You, you can tell them, but see, they, they want to live the way they want to live. Yeah. So, you know, you can only tell them. And then that's, you know, God knows that you've done what you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's true. I mean, you know, right, we can tell people over and over. And, and of course, I mean, obviously... There's no sin that is any greater than any other no, sin. No, And I think that's where society, you know, they, they want to say, well, churches is just judging. They want to just tell me my lifestyle is wrong or whatever. And, and, and it's, you know, my sin is no different than your sin. I, I have struggled with, with the flesh. And there again, that's what the Bible tells us, too, that we struggle with the flesh. You know, our battles is with the flesh. Right. And, and our, our body doesn't want to do the things that we want to do. I think of Paul. Paul says, "The things I want to do, I don't do. You know, the things I don't don't want to do, I do." Mm -hmm. And and so I look at Paul as being a, a good example to us, as hey, we're going to have to battle with that. And of course, there again, going back to putting our flesh to death daily, saying, "Hey, we're going to die daily for Christ. That whatever we do, we got to do it for Christ." Being single. And having the house all to myself, I go. I do a lot of talking with God. I know He's. I know He's there, and He's always talking with me, and always making me think about what am I doing today. In other words, what happened yesterday is history. What it can never come back. You can only live for God today. Tomorrow may never happen. So you got to do just today, and that's what that's what God always tells me. You know, live for me this 24 hours. Don't worry about the next 24 because it may not come. Live for me this 24 hours the best you can. Do what you can for others. And that is, that's all you can do because you have done what's your best for God to others. Now, I, I will tell you, um, it's really funny. I'm going to just talk to you kind of, if you want to do whatever. Um, when I was a kid, living out near Redline all by myself, I just thought of myself as a kid. 
But as I became a teacher, that's when my life changed. That I was not just a kid. I was somebody that the children looked up to. And that was very important that, they, that I could, you know, talk to them and, you know, be their friend, but also be their teacher. I've had people say, how did you ever get through teaching? You're so easygoing. I said, well, I showed love and my students in return showed love back. And they responded to me. They were not, overall, I can't remember a lot of kids being really down mean. They were good kids. Carlisle had good children. Now, did you have kids that would come over sometimes and help with yard work and stuff, or, or did you have? They wouldn't really come over with yard work. They would come over like right, since I lived on Lake Avenue, which is in Franklin, they would ride the back street and ride the bicycles and come over and just check okay. on me. Okay. Because I, I remember, yeah, I mean, I remember some of the, the guys saying, oh, yeah, we went over to, and I didn't know exactly where you lived, so I wasn't for sure. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so, but, yeah, so. I was like, I just remember some of the guys talking about being over at Mr. Carver's. Yeah, every once in a while I'd have someone stop by because I lived on Lake Avenue and you just went, it was a clean, straight shoot through there. Yes, it was always nice. Now I live in Middletown and I could stand out there and wait everybody and they wouldn't do a thing. Well, well, <laughs> but we still have some people that know you. Yes, yeah, so oh, I know they know me. <laughs> They, they know you, but it's just, it's probably weird because they don't know exactly where you live. So they're they're probably they're like, who's that? Who's that guy over there? And and really, I've got so many trees now that are big trees that it actually kind of shades the house. I mean, you can't really see the house. So you grew up you grew up in Springboro, right? Uh, really, Redline. Redline. It was a Redline is a small community south of Springboro on. Um, at a crossroads of 123, 122, uh, 122 and 741. So right, so Springboro, Lebanon, Milltown, yes, Franklin. So all the places that come to come together there was Redline. Yes, and that's where I grew up and um, went to school in Springboro. Then I went to Miami University in Middletown, the regional campus. So all of those things I kept local. I've only lived in two counties my whole life, Butler and Warren. Hi, I'm Timothy Carberry, and I am not ashamed of the gospel. Thanks for listening this week to our podcast, Unashamed. We hope you enjoyed it. The song Unashamed is by Brian Free and Assurance from their album, Unashamed. You can find more information about Brian Free and Assurance, a wonderful Southern gospel group, at their website, brianfreeandassurance.com. See you next week, y'all.